The topics and information discussed in this podcast are no substitute for the advice and guidance you can receive from your own GP or care practitioners. If you have any medical concerns, always seek the advice of your GP or pharmacist. Hello and welcome to the Preventative Healthcare Podcast, the podcast that aims to make you aware of the signs and symptoms of certain healthcare conditions so that you can act. We bring you real-life case studies of people who have the health condition in question so that you can act if you are experiencing the same or find that you are in a similar situation. Let me introduce you now to my friend and fellow pharmacist, Lara. Hello, Lara. How are you? Hello, Karen. I'm fine, thank you. I'm raring to go and I hope we're making a difference in people's lives by making them aware of all the different health conditions that are out there. Yes, I do hope so. And making people aware of the signs and symptoms Mm. that they need to look out for. Absolutely. Awareness is the key. And as ever, prevention is better than cure. (laughs) Yes, it (laughs) most definitely is. So what is our topic of discussion today? Well, Laura, we have once again a very interesting case study from a lady called Erica, who, in my opinion, suffered a great deal of frustration and anxiety because she didn't appear to be listened to. I think she had to see six different GPs in order for action to be taken, which I think is a lot for anybody, isn't it, really? So I can really empathise with how frustrating that must have been for her, particularly so as she was a new mother. Let's have a listen now to Erica's story. Hi, I'm Erica and I am mum to two boys, Jack and Ollie. Uh, Jack is now eight years old and Ollie is five. And together as a family, we love doing lots of outdoor things. Uh, we're a very sporty family. We love going paddleboarding, kayaking, uh, a bit of mountain biking and eating lots of yummy food, uh, which is quite relevant for us because uh, my boys have lots of allergies, uh, as does my husband, uh, and I'm also dairy and gluten-free. So as a family, we are quite restricted in what we can go and eat in different cafes and places, but we love to experiment at home and adapt recipes to create yummy, tasty things so that none of us have to miss out. So before I had my two boys, I didn't really know much about allergies. My husband does have a Brazil nut allergy, but it was kind of something that was just in the background for us, although obviously he's he's safe when we're eating out and about. So when I had my boys, uh, Jack, we'd, we didn't really know what was going on to start with, if I'm honest. Um, we were in that kind of new, new parenthood bubble uh, of survival. But Jack was a very um, upset baby. He would cry a lot. Um, We were told it was colic. Uh, His nappies then turned to be quite disgusting. They smelled really bad. They didn't look too good. Um, He really, really hated feeding, absolutely hated feeding. Um, And I breastfed him for the first four months, which, if I'm honest, was pretty hellish because he didn't want to do it. Um, And that was really, really hard for me because I I was desperate to feed my baby, as any mum would. And it was when we went to a doctor, to the GP, because he was very lethargic, that they asked us to try formula. And that's when it really kicked off. He was very, very sick. The rash spreads all over his body. Um, He would just cry constantly. He hated to sleep. He didn't want to feed. He just was a really, really unhappy baby. 
And when it then came to, to weaning, you know, we were advised to just really go ahead with it. And I felt a little bit lost and alone, if I'm honest, of, of trying to introduce new foods. But when it came to introducing a nut, um, I had we had been rubbing the nut on Jack's arm and we'd done it on his face and he'd been absolutely fine. And then for whatever reason, he'd had a little bit and we were in the car and I just turned around. And because he was only 18 months by that point, he started sticking his tongue out and yes, a rash just appeared from nowhere. And it was one of those things that because I was also driving, I went to full, full panic, pulled over on the side of the road. And uh, thankfully, we got help immediately. And they said, yes, it was him having an anaphylactic reaction. He was put on oxygen. He had antihistamine. And uh, I happened to be pregnant at the same time, which also didn't help. Um, so we, we did get the help. We were given EpiPens after that. And so that was kind of a real turning point in, you know, having gone through many, many doctors before that who dismissed my concerns and had told me I was a first time mum and just really to get on with it. Finally, somebody was taking us seriously. So that was really the start of our journey into the allergy world where we were taken a little bit more seriously. There was definitely something wrong. And through a lot of my research, a lot of reading and uh, talking to various people, trying to get that holistic view that seemed to be lacking was really, really important to me. So initially I went through, it seemed GP after GP. Uh, I saw six doctors before somebody then went, oh, actually, okay, let's look further into this. And it, it got to the point where they actually did a full investigation into it because of the, the bad treatment of, of no one listening to me. And it definitely got, you know, definitely I had to get to the right person. I had to find that one person that actually they had been through it themselves. And that seems to be a recurring theme that unless that person's been through it, who understands it, who gets it, who understands the implications of it as well, not just on the child, but on the parents, that they then would take take me seriously. And I did get referred to a lovely pediatrician who, who did listen to us and he, he did offer advice. But I still, even to this day, it's I get told, you know, you're, you're doing the right thing. Just keep doing what you're doing. You seem to know what, what to do. Uh, we'll see you again in a year's time. So both boys are free from dairy, soya, eggs, wheat, beef and coconut. And then Jack is um, IgE, he's anaphylactic to at least three nuts, tree nuts. Uh, we are waiting for skin prick testing to find out if there are more nuts that he's allergic to. And because of that, Ollie has never eaten nuts. And also we're waiting for testing for him. If Jack has a nut, obviously that could lead to an anaphylactic reaction, which he has had in the past, uh, which is both scary and terrifying. But touch wood, uh, in the last se seven years, he's not had a, a reaction. So we're going to keep running with that. If they eat any of the other foods, it's more gut related symptoms. So they uh, feel very sick. They may be sick, uh, diarrhea. They get eczema patches on their body. And actually, one of the biggest things that is not really talked about is the mental side of it, especially with Jack. He gets very emotional, upset. Uh, both of them really react to it in a kind of that, that brain, gut brain connection way. And, and nobody really understands that one because they think they're just being naughty. So really, a lot of it has, has been on, on myself and my husband to go out and find alternative medicines such as you know probiotics and prebiotics and looking at more into gut health has been really really crucial in in helping them restore their microbiome and you know all their gut flora so that 
they can then be better uh, able to deal with with the reactions that you know as I have to trial new foods or retrial the allergic foods that they have uh, to test them. So when Ollie was born, as uh, uh, you know, he probably within the first few days, I realised that again he wasn't well. He was showing symptoms similar to Jack, and so I took it upon myself to to cut out dairy and soy straight away. But that was because I had known and I'd had spoken to the GP, who who also confirmed that that would be a good thing to do. Um, but it was that oh no, here we go again feeling of I really had hoped I'd crossed everything possible that Ollie wouldn't have the, the same symptoms. Um, but I guess what made it easier was that we had gone through it before, but the symptoms were different from each other. So whereas Jack slept at night, but not in the day, Ollie was the total opposite. I would sleep with him, holding him upright on me. He would wake up every half an hour to an hour, every single night, all night for the first nine months of his life. Um, which really played a part on my mental health. Um, I suffered postnatal depression with both of them, really because I, I was just so exhausted and, and I didn't really have enough support around me of people who understand. And that's that's the crucial thing is that on the one hand, you don't want people to understand because that means they've had to go through it. But equally, it's somebody just to listen to you, somebody to to hold your hand and give you that confidence that, that most people don't have to think about. You know, each day I have to plan what my children are going to eat, where they're going to eat. Um, are they going to be in a place where it might be uh, have cross-contamination? Uh, going to playdates is not easy. Birthday parties, all those things. Um, going to the new mum, um, you know, baby classes was actually, I have to be honest, I didn't really go to many of them because I felt so... Uh, kind of lost and, and really alone even though I was surrounded by lots of people which is a horrible experience and so I just didn't want to put myself there I'd, I'd rather have been at home with my husband who did understand it because he's had to live it um, so one of the things that people don't see um, you know as well as the physical symptoms is the, the kind of the invisible things the, the loneliness the the heartache the feelings of guilt and doubt and questioning yourself that that you really get every single day and every single night especially in the middle of the night when it's that really quiet lonely time so uh, a food and symptom diary was crucial for us to help us pinpoint exactly which foods my boys were reacting to and once we had figured those ones out um, you know it really was a turning point for us and that I could start to create recipes that would cater for them it was really looking at the mental side for them as well thinking how can I give them the confidence to go out into the world every day how can I help them feel empowered in their situation rather than looking at the negative side of it rather than looking at what they can't do or can't have or places that they can't go to and that was really really important to me uh, and, and I have to say it has rubbed off on them because they are such happy boys most of the time they are boy they're brothers so they do fight the normal things but uh, you know they they have the confidence most of the time to go out there and and own it and it's meant now that you know that learning experience for me that journey into the kind of being an allergy mum has given me that fire and determination to try and support other parents also going through something similar and it's 
it's having that confidence that I can give to other people, um, helping people feel empowered to kind of go on their own their own journey and do it their way rather than being left at home feeling lost and overwhelmed and and doubting what they're doing and all those feelings that I went through which I really don't want anyone else to, to feel so that's why I've created my own support coaching business to to help other parents so my number one top tip is to trust your instincts I think the the mother's instincts are the most important thing in all of this. Even if you don't know what is wrong, if you know that something isn't quite right, then really run with that and try and find your tribe that you can surround yourself. Who are the people that give you the confidence to empower you to to find the right support? Um, it may, you know, it might not even be somebody that you've met before. It might be something uh, you've seen or you've read or. You know, it might be me um, for, with my coaching business. It's somebody that, that understands and gets you and, and really lifts you up, holds your hand so that, that you can keep fighting to, to get the right support. So don't give up. Keep fighting. Um, and, and you will get there. I promise you it does get easier. It's, you know, the, the allergies it may not go away, but you can definitely live with it in a positive way that it becomes your normal. And, and it's a good normal. It's an exciting normal. And uh, it really, really... I think can can make you and and I, I really wish you all the best of it. Well, that was an interesting and really powerful story. I mean, I'm a bit mm. speechless being a mother of four myself. You kind of think you've come across all sorts here, but obviously in this case, Erica seems to have gone through a really, really tough time. My first thoughts are sadness, really, that she had to suffer for so long on her own. Yeah. When you're a first-time mum, it's hard enough, but to have to go through all that stress and angst and not have a GP listen to you... I think must have been very traumatic for Erica. She mentions that she suffered from PND, which was probably exacerbated because of her baby's allergies. Yeah, it's completely understandable. And it kind of highlights the importance of women having a network of support around them, especially being a first time mum, you know, you need your partner, mm, GP, yeah. health visitor, midwife, you know, even mother and baby groups, that sort of thing. Exactly. Rather than mothers suffering in silence, what do you suggest they do from the onset if they have suspicions that something isn't right? Well, definitely suffering in silence isn't really an option. I mean, a GP would automatically be the first port of call. But then health visitors and midwives are also mm. always helpful. Well, before we discuss any more about the case study, why don't we listen now to what Dr Vidya, our resident GP, has to say? Yeah, that's right. Dr Vidya is a practising GP as well as being a life coach and an educator. And it's great to have her views on these health topics. Wow, so love that case study uh, about the allergies there with Erica that was super powerful actually really resonates with me so I had a similar experience with my uh, first born uh, I've got two little boys as well um, who are currently four and two and the first one we had a few things so already at birth um, he had sepsis um, and it was a complicated birth for for whatever reason and um, 
and then he ended up in special care baby unit thankfully was fine uh, at the time it was quite obviously quite scary because you really can just think all sorts of things especially as a parent and especially when you're going through some of these challenges. Um, so in any case, he had that sepsis and it basically meant that we had to be at home for the first three to four months, basically in isolation. Um, so we were we were allowed out, but it was basically oh, to try and prevent another infection, which, you know, it was a winter baby and being it was very, very challenging. So I felt quite isolated and didn't go to any of the baby, baby mum groups again. Um, and then when we, we were starting to wean and when we were weaning, I was like, oh, brilliant, we're finally out of this. It's four months old. We can go out. And I started weaning him and then he had porridge and um, he reacted really badly to the porridge. Basically, he had a dairy allergy and he reacted. He had wheels, uh, which is like a raised inflammatory skin lesion in a, in an allergy, in a very acute, severe allergy. And he had it all around his mouth and they were all kind of coalescing and merging into one all over his face and his neck and his body. And he was red and he was just really distressed and crying. And he's very he was otherwise a very happy baby. And even though I'm a GP, I was actually at home with my dad at the time, who's also a GP. Um, and we were just, you know, I mean, you can be a doctor, but even then it doesn't make a difference because it's your baby. We were terrified, you know, even though we've both got accident emergency, lots of accident emergency experience, done lots of volunteer medicine and all sorts of natural disasters abroad. And But gosh, you know, th- we were absolutely terrified and we we're like, oh gosh, you know, and we were literally, to be honest, we were ready to give CPR. It was pretty scary. Um, and, um, you know, called an ambulance and um, basically all, all turned out fine. Um, but I totally understand about the anxiety because, especially with weaning, um, there's not really hard... I mean, there are rule, there are certain rules, but really it, it is a bit of trial and error, isn't it? And you just kind of just have to kind of just wing it and just try your best. But... It really resonates everything that Erica was saying, especially the mental health side of things, the mindset around it. Um, I think that's apparent. You can you can have a lot of guilt that you often put on yourself or taking on societal paradigms and belief patterns around what people think you should and shouldn't do. And ultimately, it's your own journey. Um, it's your own family's journey, your own child's journey. And you re- it's so true about your intuition. You know, intuition, it's not just gut instinct it's not just some feeling it's a mental faculty you're right we have six mental faculties you know perception reasoning and intuition is just one of them and it's so important that you listen to your intuition that you start to learn about that voice in your mind or gut instinct whatever you want to call it is actually trying to put you onto a path which is for you is trying to course direct so yes you should listen to your intuition at at all times and I certainly obviously I I probably found it easier being a doctor and having a network and being knowing that okay this is this is not normal obviously got help and then afterwards deciding to go straight to see pediatrician and you know seeing a pediatrician with certain subspecialty and allergy etc so definitely of course I can imagine that probably did help Uh, But I do understand the anxiety of it, just really feeling like, gosh, you know, it's all on you, this child's life, and especially with allergies and foods, nursery, 
yeah, play dates, you know, or we, you know, we couldn't give this cake to him. So we had to give him the yogurt because obviously it's not, it's not, you know, it contains dairy and all of those things that you don't want to feel like they're missing out, but at the same time wanting them to feel empowered with their own way, whatever they want to eat and their way of wanting to live their life. I, I hopefully I feel like it is getting better in society with allergies because more people are getting tests, more people are more aware of it. Nurseries and schools definitely are a lot more aware of it. I think generally no one's allowed to bring in nuts um, or egg um, and even dairy is still there. But I think that will change, actually. I really do think that that slowly they will um, start to probably not have dairy at school uh, just for health, just for safety reasons, if they're already stopping egg and nuts. Um, and as a lot more research is showing, more of a plant by, plant-based diet does help for infinite number of conditions, including allergy as well. I know we're always going on about it, but it really does make a difference. Um, so yeah, absolutely with allergy, you know, get tests. Um, you can get uh, testing with your GP. You can obviously you know, go privately, you can have these tests done. And there are so many um, coaches out there as well, you know, there are, which I think would be so helpful and therapy as well to help you on your journey with growing through this, you know, I wouldn't see it as going through something and it's awful. I would try to see it instead as, okay, well, this is a beautiful opportunity for growth. I know it doesn't feel like it at the time, but you know, we've got to turn it into something meaningful, right? And it's, okay, well, now I can really help with other people who are who are growing through this as well. I can, you know, I actually wrote a cookbook and I was able to, I feel like it for me personally, it put me on this journey to actually now us being vegan. I don't know, maybe that was just one of the ways, I'm not sure, but that's what resonates for me. So I think sometimes finding meaning in it and, and showing how it's not your identity, you know, like having an allergy, like there's more to you than just that. So I'd really just keep going on that path and all of the learnings and blessings that comes with it and absolutely keep that warrior mindset, which does mean feeling all of your feelings, all of your feelings are valid. So it's always important to not assume things, whether you're a doctor or a patient or just a human being. Um, And this is why communication and support and being compassionate is so important. But I do think the narrative is now really changing around allergies as more people are being um, tested and I think it's so important so really grateful for this beautiful beautiful case study well if I thought I was speechless before I'm certainly speechless now I mean what were the chances of Dr Vidya herself experiencing more or less the same thing well, gosh, yeah, I agree with everything you said. But it is interesting, though, that they both had the same feelings of anxiety and being scared. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It just sounded so familiar with each of them, didn't it? Mm, both ladies yeah. had awful experiences and it was very much a case of trial and error in order to establish what the issues were. Yeah, I know. And what I take from Dr. Vidya's story is that she was very much of the mind that you need to trust your internal instincts. Yes, listening to that brought back so many memories for me. You you do kind of get that feeling, don't you, when things aren't quite right with your children. You do. You just know. And um, yes, maternal instinct. 
Yeah. And all the mothers out there should trust that instinct and demand to be heard. If you don't think things are right, then make sure that you're listened to and something's done about what you feel. Absolutely. I agree. And as Dr. Vidya mentioned, things are improving and allergy testing is becoming more commonplace. So that's a real positive. And you can visit your GP to discuss allergy testing or you can go down the the private route. That's right. It's good to know that there are so many options out there. And another sort of port of call for help is Allergy UK. They're an excellent organisation and they can help with support for adults, children and babies. Yeah, I think that's really good for our listeners to know about that. Well, I think that's the perfect way to end this episode of the Preventative Podcast. Thank you so much, Dr. Vidya, for sharing your thoughts on Erica's story. We'd also like to thank once again, Erica, for being so honest and open about what she's been through. And it was great that her story ended so well. Yes, I felt her positivity shone through, which was really encouraging, especially for some mothers who feel that they may not be able to cope. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Do let us know what you think of our podcast and leave us a review. We really do value your feedback, good and bad. Plus, it would be lovely if you could let us know health topics or ideas that you would like us to cover. Yes, that would be absolutely fabulous. You can contact us directly by emailing info at thehouseofwellbeing.co.uk or visit our website at thehouseofwellbeing.co.uk or simply pop in for a chat at 200 Relton Road, right opposite Hernhill Station. Thank you all for listening. Bye. Bye.